Oh, hi. How you doing? Welcome back to Deep and Manning Fools with Fursey. This is episode 11. You know, double digits, you beauty. Now, there's three things that I love in life. Pancakes, the sound of the ocean, and a good deep chat. And I've got a good deep chat for you. I'm sorry I don't have any pancakes. Uh, maybe you can make some pancakes after the podcast or during the podcast. So in 2017, I was cast in a movie called I Can Only Imagine. It is based on the song of the same name that was written by a band called Mercy Me. And it's based on the life story of the singer whose name is Bart Millard. And I play the bass player in the band He's named Nathan. I'm chatting with Jason Berkey or Burko, as I call him, who plays Mike, the guitarist, and John Michael Finley, or John Boy, as I call him, who plays Bart, the singer, the lead role of Bart. Now, I'm going to be mates with these guys until the end of time. It was such a joy to get paid to hang out and pretend to play music with such good dudes. They're just good quality dudes. They're really good people. I love them. So I thought, let's have a chat about the movie which, by the way, was a pretty much fantastic experience all around. Yeah, the cast was great. The directors were wonderful. The crew was great. It was, it was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. We all did. Now, when you hear us talk about Andy, he's one of the directors along with his brother John, the Irwin brothers, Andy and John Irwin. Uh, and also when you hear us mention Randy, he is the actor who plays Jim, the keyboard player, one of the funniest people I've ever met. Please... Forgive the audio quality of this podcast. We had all of the technical difficulties in the world. The boys were in Georgia, in the States. Uh, I'm here in Australia. We had to end up recording on Skype, so it just sounds like a phone call. But I did my best to clean it up, and you kind of get used to it after a while. Now, here is Jason Berkey and John Michael Finley. That's how we. That's how we got to know each other, isn't it? We've started. By the way, it's it. wonderful to be here. Sure is. That was nice and smooth. That only took uh, fifty-five I mean, minutes. To fifty-five get, minutes. You know what? I get, thought it would take longer, so I feel pretty proud of us. Yeah. So, to get the worst quality recording. Yes. You said and the worst quality guests. So yeah. Hi. By the way, it's been a long time, fellas. Missed you, buddy. Man, so long. Yeah. We have we have aged. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're in dire need of a Waffle House date. <laughs> we really kept Waffle House in business, didn't we? <laughs> Our relationship is smothered and covered and peppered, <laughs> <laughs> diced and junk. <laughs> so let's talk about how we met. We we did all meet at the same time because you guys didn't know each other before. Correct. Right? Uh, yeah. Correct. So as I can only imagine, that's when we met. And I I will say I thought. Mark, when we first met at that restaurant, I thought like, man, this guy, this guy looks cool. And I felt intimidated. I think based off of purely what you were wearing. You had a beanie, like you had a beanie. There were some chains. You look like you just walked off stage. Different places. Yeah. And I was, I don't know what I was wearing. Whatever a dad would wear. I was probably I, wearing a Target t-shirt. I the only reason that I was what I was wearing a something that looked cool was because um it was cold as shit oh man yeah 
I've yeah. never been so cold in my life. We were we were in Oklahoma City. Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. Oklahoma yeah. City. Filming a movie. I guess we should say we were filming in a, mo- a movie. We were. Yeah. It was. What was the temp? I remember there was. I took a photo on my phone of the weather app, and it was minus. 15 degrees Celsius, which is how the rest of the world does temperature. Sure. Which yeah. is I don't like, that, therefore I don't in, understand. In, like there, there were days where it was like in the teens. But you know what I remember, Mark, whenever we would drive to set, you were training your body to not need a coat once you were in the car. You would take <laughs> off the coat once we were in the car and it's still freezing in the car. But you're like, nah. My body to get used to this is intentional yeah because then you didn't want to wear the coat inside the car and be all warm and snugly and then step back out into the cold again so you were trying to trick your body i remember no i do remember that i remember hearing somewhere that if it's if it's in cold weather you i'm australian dude it doesn't get that cold here no. So like I was, I was, I was all stressed out. What am I going to do? I might die. So mm-hmm. I, I remember hearing somewhere that, that you should take your coat off when you come inside or go into a, into a vehicle because you can always warm it up and then you need your coat when you actually need your coat. Cause if you've got your coat on when you're in the car, then when you get out of the car, you're like, Oh, it's cold again. There's nothing to do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's, smart. Yeah. that's smart. So did it work for you? I survived. Yes. <laughs> Mark, tell us, tell us, tell us how you booked that gig. Yeah. Uh, it was, it was, um, they just kept calling me and calling me and like, man, we sure. want you to play, we want you to play the lead role of, of Bart in, um, yeah. I can only imagine. And I was like, I'm not, I just, I'm not doing it. I'm too busy. I'm too busy. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't fit in the costume. Yeah. That's what it was. <laughs> that, so I just, it was, it wasn't that exciting. I just did an audition and then, um, did you, was there a callback? Yeah, I did an audition. Then I did a callback, and then I didn't hear anything. And I was like, "All right, well, that one's that one's gone away." Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, was, it was weeks. It was weeks. And then my manager called me and goes, "Hey, congratulations, big guy. We got an offer." And I was like, "You guys hear that accent? That was well spot on. Spot on. Spot on. <laughs> La. That's why I got the part." And I was yes. like, "An offer for what?" <laughs> I honestly, it had been like, it had been like six weeks. <laughs> I was like, for, for your couch, man, someone wants it. Someone wants to buy it. Some guy from Craigslist. Yeah. So, but he said for that, for the, for, I can only imagine the, the bass player part in that movie. I was like, Oh, that's still alive. All right. Cool. No, Nathan Cochran is his name. Did you have to, did you, did you play bass in your audition? Did you have to prove no, that you can? No, I just, I just talked. I was just like, yeah, I can play bass. I can oh, play, wow. lay s- scaffolding, whatever you need, man. I'll yeah. Do it. yeah. <laughs> and and so, that. yeah, so that's, that's how, how did it happen for you guys? I, I sent the tape in, but there was a, it was a crazy, it was a chaotic time, right? Yeah. Your parents were visiting. Yeah. I couldn't get to LA. So I sent in a tape. Cause you're New York based, right? Yeah. And I only had Mondays off and I didn't feel like that was enough time to like fly to LA. I'm sure people do it. But I was lazy. <laughs> uh, so I sent him a tape and uh, they happened to be in New York. They were on the East Coast doing uh, stuff for another project. So they came and saw me in a show. And then we did a call back the next day at their like hotel ballroom in Times Square. And uh, call back when I really got to know them. And I think we had a good time. And a couple of days later, I got the call. 
So mm-hmm. it was uh, it was super stressful, but it was uh, a lot of fun. Yeah. So you this was your first like off stage thing, right? Yeah. I uh, I've always been interested in doing that kind of stuff, but never really got the opportunity. And it's tough to break in. You know, you move to New York instead of L.A. and you do, you know, you, you do a lot of theater stuff because you guys know you have, it's sometimes you have to build some momentum. Yeah. Um, and I never really put any time into film and television because I never really felt like I had the opportunity. And my agent sent me this and I was like, Oh, I know this. I, you know, I, I know this song. I know this music. I know this band. I know, I know this atmosphere. I know this time frame. you know, like everything was super familiar to me. So yeah. So I just went for it. And my agent was like, you can't record this on your phone. You feel like you got to go like book a studio. She wanted me oh, wow. to hire a uh, on-camera acting coach. And so I did like an hour session with an on-camera coach and that was really helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, and then book like an actual studio with a camera. And, a, and so I thought it was all completely unnecessary and I was a little upset about it because, you know, at that time, like that cost me a lot of money mm-hmm. and I had like 12 hours notice, but it obviously paid off. She knew what she was talking about apparently. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Did, great. Did, what were your expectations of what a like shooting a movie would look like as opposed to like oh, yes. man. the reality of it. <laughs> None, because I genuinely had never been on a set before in my entire life. So, so oh, whatever man, that's, that's crazy. That's a huge thing that you, that you'd never been on a set. And then you get super exciting, you know, cause the only thing you know is what you see in movies, which is about half correct. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I really tried to get in that mental space where like you have zero expectations, you have, you, you try to be open to everything and they were super smart. You know, the Irwin brothers and, and our producers, they were super smart about easing me into it, knowing that they had hired someone that had zero experience. Mm-hmm. So like my first three days on set, I don't think I said a word. I was just like walking across a bridge, <laughs> yeah, yeah. reading a diary. Yeah. So it was, and then my first actual day with like dialogue and screen time was when we did the Oklahoma musical which obviously mm. I feel super comfortable on mm. stage. So they were super they that smart yeah. about yeah. easing into it. And then by the time we got yeah. to the heavy, heavy stuff, yeah. I felt like I was, I was ready to go. You know, it was still, it was still new and it was still strange, but I, I didn't feel, I felt safe. They, they did a yeah. really good job doing that. that. That is very wise on their part because it's, yes. it's not like we're a small part. You're in almost every single scene in the movie. Yeah. I think, I think we, we did, how many weeks of filming did we do nine or 10? Cause we had a, we had a Thanksgiving break. We had a Christmas break. I was there for like three months, but I think we had two weeks off. Yeah. Cause Berger, so you I, and all were only there for three, right? Yeah. You guys yeah. came and then left we and three, came back. I yeah. I think I had two days off. I think I had two days that I wasn't filming in that yeah. three month span. Yeah. So yeah, it was, it was, it was a lot, but I, it was my first time, so I didn't have time to get was, into a groove. And I was ready to go. Yeah. And and Andy, I remember talking to Andy Irwin, and, and he said his advice to you was like, "Just be you, man. Just like trust yeah. that what you you got is that's what, that's what I really love about is enough. about film. You know, in in my very limited experience, is like I feel like what I do in the musical theater world is I become somebody else. Mm-hmm. I feel like I've made a career in not transforming because that sounds really pretentious, but like, you know, you play a different character and in the film world, I feel like they want you to be you and you have to learn how to be comfortable being you. Mm -hmm. And I think they hired me, you know, I think I was expecting to try to become, Mm -hmm. you know, Bart Miller, but really it was like, nah, 
we just need yeah. you to be you. And so that was, that was your interpretation cool. yeah. of this other guy rather than becoming yeah. another guy. I yeah. mean, the other thing too is it's, you know, you can be so much bigger on stage, whereas yeah. this is, it's, it's the nuance, you know, and it's very hard to genuinely have that nuanced, like there's not many actors in the world that can, you see him and they're, you're like, wow, he's become a completely different person when you see him. Right. Yeah. That's, I think there's, there's fun, fun parts of both. I think yeah. it's fun to, to be something completely different. But I think it's just as hard to, you know, if you if you played Mark in a biography about your own life, like it it would be really hard to play you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like so, how well do you know yourself? You know? Yeah. Like, can, can you actually cool. evaluate? Yeah. And step back and observe yourself in a genuine way. Yeah. No, no, it's it's weird. So, I think a, a great quote, Sir Lawrence Olivier, that said it, but it was something to the effect of. Yeah. When it comes to character, you shouldn't ask, what must I become to play this person? It's who does this character become? Because I'm the one who's playing it. Yeah. So, it's, right. you know, the three of us could could all audition for the same role. And we are bringing our, our own life experience, our own perspective to it. And to trust your uniqueness and what you're bringing to it, you know. And and don't get it, me wrong. There, there are theater roles that, that theater theater is becoming a lot more similar to film it's becoming more honest it's becoming more nuanced but there are still some very classic characters mm-hmm. famous musical theater roles that, that like mm-hmm. yeah you're expected yeah. to to fill that shape yeah, that of, yeah. how did you book so i worked with the Irwins. i've known them for 10 years now and they oh, you're a golden boy They've been kind enough to, to, you know, throw me parts here and there on, on their stuff. And, and this one was... That's why you're always sucking up to the directors on set for the next role. That's what it was. Are you kidding me? Their new movie was... (laughs) Buying gifts left and right. Back massages. Um, Yeah. Low back massages. I do do remember it was a bit of a, a crazy time. I just met my now wife, Callie. And I met you guys when I met my wife, which is crazy. Oh, I, love I like to feel so like we're responsible. You are responsible. But I remember I was, I was in my bachelor pad in Midtown here in Atlanta and got a call from Andy and he was just like, do you play guitar? And I said, definitely <laughs> yes. not. Yes. I, yes. Yeah. Whereas <laughs> you not were able to say like, yeah, here's what I do. And you, you know, and he's like, okay, well, uh, we got this part and, uh, you know, it's like, it's like playing a doctor on TV, you know, you got to just look like, you know what you're doing. <laughs> I'm like, okay. I love it. I know like five chords. I think I wrote a song for a girlfriend once back in the day. They're no longer together. Uh, it didn't work out. <laughs> it may have been something to do with my playing. Yeah. Uh, so that was it. He's like, well, shoot us an audition. If you can get us a tape you know, in the next day or two. And I sent in a tape to them and, uh, and that was it. He's like, okay, let's do it. Um, can you be in Oklahoma tomorrow? And I'm like, yeah, I, yeah, I was on, I was on my, I think third date with Callie at the time when I got the call, I was like, Hey, I'm going to Oklahoma for almost a month. And then I'm going to Guatemala after that for a wedding. I'll see you in like a month and a half, but it's really great to know you. Uh, so Andy was like, don't worry. We got, we got this guy who's going to sit down with you and, and teach you some guitar basics. And 
I thought I had like, he told me I had like five days with this guy. And I'm like, great. That's enough to get comfy five days before we start shooting. That's enough to stop buying some Van Hyland, you know? Oh, are you kidding me? I'd be shredding by then. So then those five days just turned into one three hour session. (laughs) (laughs) That was it. That's all the training I got. He gave me his guitar and I took it back to the, to the hotel and just like slept with it. (laughs) (laughs) You were were really nervous about it, but you pulled it off. Oh my gosh. But you filled me in. You helped me Well, see, I remember, I just remember now I actually auditioned for your role. Oh, you Uh, did? Yeah. And then in the, in the callback, and he said to me, can you just go out and learn this other part? And and, Uh, and so I came in and just read for Nathan. He's like, uh, and read, he was like, That's you really one. don't want to reach out to Jason. Just can you read for this other part? We don't want, he is last resort. We don't want to have to do it, but we will. <laughs> I think I did hear, I don't know if this is true. I feel like it was that that part originally was Jesse McCartney's. So, Who's part? Your part. Do you, oh, yeah. do you know who Jesse McCartney is? I don't want another pretty face. Yes. There you go. You better. <laughs> Jesse. They, he, he, I don't know if he, he dropped ever out actually reason, accepted right? it. I, maybe he was just like skating around it, but I think his manager pulled him out like a week before. So we have his manager to thank for yeah. us being friends. Exactly. Isn't that funny how that happens? I had a, I had another role like that, that I, I probably was very lucky to get in a, in a movie I did called tell me how I die. And they were casting some like it's social media kind of guys. There was YouTubers that they were casting in it. There was this one guy who got in it. His name's Ryan Higa. He's got a huge YouTube channel. And they had another guy who's a YouTuber who was going to play my role. I auditioned. The director loved me, but then I got a call back and then I didn't hear anything. And I was like, my agent was like, look, man, the funding's coming from social media influencers and you just don't have a following. And I was like, I get it. It is what it is. Right. And then it ended up last minute. The director was like, I can't do it with this other dude that was going to play my role. He's like, cause he's, he can't act. So. Oh, which they, is a big requirement. <laughs> yeah, have to do that. For an acting role. It's like, he's got yeah. a huge following on YouTube, but he's a yeah. terrible actor. So Ooh. I ended up. I don't, I don't know how it is with you guys, but like for us, it's, it's, it's super common. And a lot of times you, you, you don't know, you, you'll never find out. But I, I try to tell my friends that do find mm-hmm. out, like, don't let it get to you. You know what yeah. I mean? I think. Because you hear all the time stories of famous actors either yeah. turning parts down or they were the fifth selection and they become, yeah. you know, like I think Keanu Reeves was like the fifth selection for The Matrix, you know, and then like it was incredible. So yeah. I don't think it means anything, you know. Uh, like Back to the Future, they actually were filmed, they filmed like two yes. weeks with yeah, yeah, yeah. Eric Stoltz, yeah. right? Yeah, and really. Like, Tom Selleck was meant to be Indiana Jones. Really? Selleck? Yeah. Oh. And then I don't know if they started shooting. They got right. real. Like he was, he was done. He was set. And then, wow. yeah, it didn't happen. So it's yeah. Yeah, that kind of stuff happens all the time. Yeah. yeah, I'm glad both of you were there. You guys are my saving graces. It was a, it was I, a long I shoot a for last, you, but it was it was just a lot of new stuff. Yeah, it was also long hours. You know, I feel like we went into overtime every day, but I was there, and I was not getting the sleep that I typically required that was partially our fault uh, so. yeah that was very much yeah. our fault. we didn't have much to do Burka. Uh, mark yeah. and i had so many vacation days in oklahoma city <laughs> <laughs> honestly it was cold it was the coldest that i've ever experienced anything <laughs> i was in middle america 
as you're as, from Australia and then you like lived in LA. So like, yeah, no clue. Yeah. You had not experienced no cold America yet. Uh, not at all. I didn't, I hadn't experienced that culture. I hadn't experienced that weather. It was just like, I was just like, a, like this starry eyed kid wandering around. And, and it was, uh, and we, had, we had a lot of aerial views. It was, it was like covered in snow. At yeah. some points we, uh, we filmed the, the house that Bart, you know, grew up in that the, uh-huh. the set that we had was a, was an old farmhouse that did not have, did not have heat, did not have anything like that. So, I mean, it was genuinely, everyone was in like Eskimo coats mm-hmm. yeah. the whole time you take them off, you film a scene, you know, and then, but we also filmed certain scenes that were summertime scenes. So, you know, like we're in, and I'm fine. Cause like, I got plenty of blubber, but like, poor little, like, <laughs> poor, you know, like you boys are both skinny, like, you know, poor Madeline was skinny, you know, like yeah, yeah. Cloris Leachman, you know? Yeah. So there were people that were genuinely like, <laughs> you know you lived in chicago and new yeah, york yeah, i grew I was, up in chicago that but was fine yeah. you first you didn't stand a chance but it's also you know like long long days outside you know yeah. a lot of outside filming because yeah. oklahoma city was beautiful we were so thrilled to be filming there uh besides the besides the couple of weeks that there was snow i mean they get they got so much good footage of beautiful scenery yeah. in oklahoma that's one of the big reasons why they filmed there yeah. so that's well, yeah. there was that also that little town that we, cause we were in the hotel and then we had to drive for about 20, 30 minutes yeah. to get out to through that little town where we did some of this. Was it the school stuff or was it the, the house? I remember driving through there and it was, we was like, wow, we are just rural Oklahoma. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Especially the house was, yeah. yeah. Both houses. There were two houses. There was like Mima's house and then there was yes. Bart's house. Both of them were in the middle of nowhere. Middle of nowhere, and there was a little town, and I and I, you know, I've heard you hear stories about this, but I was like, wow, there's actually a church on every corner. This is amazing. Oh yeah, yeah. oh yeah. I was oh, genuinely yeah. like, wow, I've never actually. I didn't know this was real. I thought it was. I thought people kind of over exaggerated, but they yeah. not at all. Oh, they found a great location yeah. to film some church scenes, and where we did like the when they first wrote Imagine, you remember that scene that yes. didn't really yeah. didn't make it in the movie. I don't think that did. But that that whole church was like a really, it was really cool. Like it had that 90s vibe. Yeah. Because I grew up in that environment. And it was definitely like, you know, the old wooden pews and the stage. And like, it was definitely that type of vibe. I I hope I'm not changing subjects, but I wanted to make sure I asked you. I want to know why you, tell me why you started your podcast. Yeah. I'd love to know. Uh, There's a few reasons. So the first one is that I listen to a lot of podcasts. And me too. I love I, it. Yeah. And I like a lot of the kind of more conversational stuff mm-hmm. because it's, it's just, it's honest and it's organic. And I think that it's the complete opposite to what I grew up with, with, you know, like with the radio and with um, panel shows, it's also contrived and it's bullshit. You know, there's no, well, it's not authentic and mm-hmm. it's, and it's all kind of pushing an agenda. Whereas in a podcast, you can, you can hear people have a diff, two differing, opinions and you can figure it out over an hour. You know, I like, I like hearing people navigate through yeah. different opinions. I agree. Yeah. yeah, totally. So that's, that was a big reason. Another one is because I've listened to these podcasts and you know, you get quite familiar with these people and I felt like they were my friends. Mm. And then I kind of was like, Oh, I have something to say here, but I felt like I was in a room with my friends and they were ignoring me. <laughs> they can't hear you. Yeah. But yeah. So I was uh, like, I started to get depressed. I started to get like, they make me sad. So I thought I need to actually start one of these. And then the other reason is I heard, uh, I'm, 
on Joe Rogan's podcast, he was talking about how yeah. much a blessing it is. Yeah, how much of a blessing it's been for him to just be able to sit opposite someone he either knows or doesn't know at all and have an uninterrupted conversation with them for an hour, two hours, whatever it is. It's like that doesn't happen these days. Right. It's, 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 really, it's really healthy to, to get that human connection, whether Absolutely. it's, again, whether you're agreeing or disagreeing, you would not normally do that. And that's been really exciting to me. Um, I and I can really said human connection. I think yeah. That's, yeah. That's, that's pretty close to the top of the list for me of yeah. important things. I think know. listening to those type of podcasts that are very conversational and intimate, they've helped me ask better questions yeah, just yeah. in, in my conversations in my day to day, you know, yeah. I'm like, okay, Oh, this is, yeah, I got to get past the surface level here. You know, like, what I like about Joe is, is, and this is from his own mouth. He's like, you know, I'm not an expert. Joe's like, I'm an expert in maybe one or two things. You know, he's probably an expert in MMA and hand-to-hand combat. And he's probably an expert in facing stand-up fears. comedy. You know what I mean? Like those are the two yeah. things that he would maybe consider himself an expert on and that he'll really push back on people as far as like, shut up. I know what I'm talking about. But other than that, Joe, from his own mouth, he's like, you know what? I was that kid that just couldn't shut up. I like to talk and I like to ask questions. I like that his podcast is, uh, is not edited. There's nothing wrong with edited podcasts because I have a lot of favorite podcasts that are edited, but you feel like you're getting that kind of experience, that genuine experience, because there's no censoring, there's no editing. And it's just a conversation. And he just likes to ask questions. He's like, I'm just a normal dude. I'm not an expert. So I'm going to have experts on and I'm just going to ask them questions. Mm-hmm. And, and there's something really, really uh, honest and uh, fresh about that. And I think it's been so successful. He kind of plays the, I think why it's been so successful is that it's, he's asking questions that we all want to know the answer to. Yes. So he's able to have a pretty impartial, yeah. logical Mind. I, I don't agree with everything he says, like, you know, but for the most part, he's that, yeah, he plays the audience, if you will. You know what I mean? When someone says something that sounds like bullshit, he's like, hey, that sounds like bullshit. Yeah. yeah. It's just something fresh about that. That's um, it. Yeah. So that's, so yeah, totally. That's exactly well, why. That. Yeah. It's, and it's been, it's been wildly fulfilling. Good. Good. Yeah. I really, I really enjoy it. And I, and I, and I think that other people are enjoying it too. You know, it's, it's I nice. Enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Thanks man. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's a lot of fun and it's, and I'm learning a lot about myself. Yeah. I bet. Really? I bet. Yeah. It's, it's fast as you were saying, Burke, I like the way yeah. that I interact with people now is different. I, I've learned to become a much better active listener because I don't want to do an interview. I want to have a conversation. Yeah. So yeah. if we talk about something, Instead of, cause there's so many interviews where someone will, they'll, they'll ask a question and someone will say something fascinating and then they go, mm-hmm, and then they go <laughs> on to the next question. Yikes. You know, let's unpack that. Let's listen. Uh, yeah. let's I, wrote, I wrote down 15 questions, but we only got to two of them because <laughs> the second question was super, we got to some important, you know what I mean? Like who cares? Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. you know instead of just uh, checking them off the list. That's, that's so it. smart. I love yeah. that. So that's um, where that from now question number five what did you want to accomplish like did you have any questions or any, any topics you wanted to go over uh well what i normally do is i'll write down a few things that that are like just talking points and then normally if i know the person 
well, the conversation just goes there and I don't even have to steer it into that. So how close, um, how close to we are, we're not lo-fi gas. We're high fat. <laughs> and as you, as you take a, the last swig of that beer, let's talk about heavy drinking. Yeah, <laughs> let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> so so we, we thought it would be a great bonding experience when we first got there. Cause you know, it was cold, <laughs> super cold. Yeah, we didn't know we, yeah. We didn't know each other and we didn't have, we had a couple of days before we had to really do anything. So we went out and got blotter. Smashed. Smashed. Blood, I, blood I, don't drink, I don't drink very often, but I was like, you know, when in Rome, right? And that's how and, I thought. Yeah. yeah. And so we go well, on the whiskeys. I've never drank more whiskey in my life. I, you me boys neither. told me this yesterday. And me this neither. I didn't know. Like, I, I am a whiskey drinker. That uh, Until recently, that was my drink of choice. I didn't realize that I was either consciously or subconsciously peer pressuring you guys into drinking more whiskey. <laughs> like that's, that's my jam. Like, you know, like I like yeah. stuff. It wasn't, it I wasn't too, too, but I, like never on that scale. You guys never put yeah. up a fight. So. Well, yeah, you, exactly. never, you didn't have to twist our arm. You were like, Hey boys, we're going to do some whiskey with some picklebacks. And me and Dirk, I went, okay. I had so many people warn me about the, the like liquor laws in Oklahoma. So I oh. think I went straight to like the liquor store or Walmart and just like stocked up, got like and a handle of whiskey. Cause I was nervous that they were closed like six days a week. Also you're kind of at summer camp. Yeah. You were living in this hotel together yeah. and yes. the days that you have off, you know, or, or just after a long shoot day and we're like, let's just go to John's room and unwind and yeah, have whiskey and chill. I don't know. To me, that was part of the bonding experience. And, and it is this weird kind of, I always call it summer camp. I think when you're gone for that long and it's like the rest of the world doesn't really exist while you're there. Yeah. Well, everything's yeah. on pause. Well, Cause you never do that. That's not an experience that you would choose right. as a holiday. Like I'm not saying I didn't have an, the best time ever, but it's not what, you know, why on earth would I go to Oklahoma city in the middle of winter for three weeks? <laughs> Have your own volition. But that's, that's yeah. what I wanted to bring up. Like, yeah. you know, the, the, the circumstances were, were different. And now I, I want you guys to know that I, I felt comfortable with both of you pretty much from day one, mm. like from the first conversation, I was like, I think these guys are going to be my guys. But I think another reason was like, where, you know, you're, you're on set in a city you've never been to. In a hotel you've never been in, working with people you probably don't know, hanging out with strangers, you know, like there's a reason, you know, alcohol lowers inhibitions. And I, you know, like I think we got to know each other quicker and better. And knowing the film crew too, like them going out because they want, they want to relax after a long day. And it's like, yeah. Yeah. I absolutely think that that was that that was probably healthy drinking because we bonded so much over <laughs> yeah. doing right. Yeah. yeah. I will say, I, I think that is the most, I mean, it was a lot. Well, I mean, it's because I, I kind of realized when, when the weather is like that. Yes. And it's pretty flat in Oklahoma too. It's yeah. not like, I mean, the land is, it's not like there's, there's, you know, hikes and stuff you can go on and, and it's, it was, again, it was super cold. I remember, I remember thinking I can get it. Why people can, just drink because it's like what if, when it's when it's like this what are you gonna do yeah you cozy, yeah and, and you we were up. we were three guys that had from marriage to 
a long relationship to first date. Like, but the three of us all had special ladies. Yeah. So we also weren't kind of going out chasing after ladies. Right. So we all, the three of us were comfortable. Like, Hey, I don't have anyone to impress. Let's yeah. go watch family guy and have a drink. Right. You know what I mean, like, which was really yeah. nice. Yeah. I feel like if one of us were, Chasing the, like ultimate the ladies, bad probably would have changed that dynamic. Yeah. I'm impressed, John Boy, how you managed to get. You you had a lot of work. That every day. <laughs> you yeah, really, like, really am. Like me and Burko, you and I, we we just went on like breakfast dates every day at like <laughs> eleven p.m. and we brunched, man. Yeah. Well, I appreciate <laughs> that, but I have to be honest with you guys. Um, it was easy until my last week. And only because I saw the light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. The last two weeks, like every day in the last two weeks was overtime. Well, we weren't there either. So, you know, yeah. Yeah. Dennis was really, really great, but those were the heavy, heavy scenes. Right. Yeah. So it really, it honestly wasn't until like the last five days of filming, it like hit me like a ton of bricks. Mm. Everything else before that, man, everyone made like you guys were so good to me. The Irwins and everyone was so good to me. I was also like bright eyed and bushy tailed because it was my first ever time, mm -hmm. you know, on a film set. So it, it was, it was pretty chill, man. It was, it, I, I was happy to get up. I was happy to, you know, uh, not to be away from my wife, but to be away from the busy streets of New York and to, to be off stage and to be trying new things. I don't know. I had fun. I had a blast. Yeah. You know, how, there's a different energy. Yeah. yeah. Isn't it amazing how, depressing it is after you finish a show yeah summer camp i'm telling you yeah. i promise i'll write you okay yeah. and yeah it's, it's such a, an it's intense... a blue couple of weeks isn't it like yeah because it's, it, it's such a high exactly you you make a new family and then done and it's not and you can't even go back it's not you've left but you can't go back because it doesn't exist anymore no one's yeah. there you know in in the theater world you can never, you can never go back and, and live the same experiences, but like you can go back and do the same show, show sure. with the same people, or you can play the same part. You know, I, I feel like that unless you're like, you know, Captain America and you're doing Captain yeah. America three, you know, you can't really go back and play the same. Yeah. And um, you're doing 400 shows a year. Yeah. <laughs> I, I also was super lucky that we, uh, lucky as in I was employed. It didn't feel lucky because we wrapped imagine had a rap party. And the next morning I had a flight to New York and started rehearsals for Book of Mormon. So yeah, well, I, I didn't have any time off, which is great. I'm not complaining. It's like, it's an actor's dream, but I didn't have a lot of time to look back and be like, oh, I, I certainly it. missed you guys. And I'm but like a good thing. Yeah. yeah. No, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't feel that. It's a double whammy because it's saying goodbye to people that you had such an intense experience with. Yeah. And then you now know, like, okay, start it all over. Like either I'm unemployed or hopefully you're jumping on to the next project, but more often than not, it's like, I'm unemployed again. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah. That's, Back to the grind. That's probably exactly. part of the, part of the blues, right? You know yeah. I mean? Cause I, I've experienced that in the theater world, obviously, but yeah, I think it, part of it is like, I miss my people. Part of it is I miss working. And then the other part is like, now I'm unemployed. What's yeah. again, you know, hoping, hoping the phone rings. It really feels like I remember my, my college or uni graduation <laughs> that I remember it being so rushed and like, wait, how am I expected to say goodbye to everyone 
and not really <laughs> see them again. And I just spent, yeah. and then it was so, I remember the whole, I was so overwhelmed by it all. And the whole concept of like, we're just supposed to say bye now. Yeah, <laughs> I was yeah. just like floored by it. Yeah, and yeah. That's, that's how I, I have felt after every project that I, I've been there for a long spell. It's a weird business. Isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And it's a, it's a fun, it's such a roller coaster because you say you come into these, these things and there's a crew that maybe they know each other. Maybe they don't. Yeah. Past almost never knows each other. So you, you, you come in and you're so nervous and scared and it's all new. And then you all kind of learn about the situation together and you get so tight and then it's gone, done. And it's never to be seen again. And you're like, Oh yeah. It just, it, yeah, it leaves a bit of a hole in your heart and then you kind of, you know, get back to being your own yeah. life again. It's do, yeah. do you guys, do you guys ever have, um, <laughs> do, you, do you ever have those moments where you're like, was I as close with them as I feel? <laughs> yeah. Do you have those insecurities? Uh, you know, like I, I'll, looking te- back I'll text on you guys it? and I'll be like, are, are we creating a false relationship? Like, I hope not. Like, I really or care like, about you guys, we, but like, yeah. you know, like, is it, you always, I, I always start to doubt myself. You know what I mean? Like, like, are we as close as we were when we were yeah. filming? And I fully believe like you're as close as you want to be, you know, like, yeah. but I, I, I have those insecurities sometimes. Uh, with you guys, cause you're both sitting here, but with other, with other friends and, and, and like fellow actors that you're like, yeah, we were roommates or we were co-stars on a show for two years, but you know, I get it. I know me, you're like, I agree. Well, we, it, it's hard to get a gauge on it because we don't, we're not in each other's presence anymore. Yeah, you know, this exactly. is, but the fact that we still have a group chat that we're pretty active on th- how many, three years later. Yes. Mm-hmm. That, that obviously says something about, it. but it's, yeah, you're, you're thrust together with these people that you've never met before. And you're basically yeah. living in each other's pockets, doing fake scenarios where you're being vulnerable and pretending to be certain emotions that you have to tap into. Yes. And then, and then, you know, that creates some kind of connection and then it's gone again. And you're like, you're in frigging London. I'm in Australia, Burko's in oh, Atlanta. Man. And we're like, yeah, you thinking, was that even real? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It's, it's, yeah. it's so funny. It's just... a, and once again, the, one of the weird parts of this business is like, there's so much superficiality. And I think the reason I feel so latched to you two is because I, I, I get such a sense of genuine depth and realness from both of you, but in, in, in the theater world, especially once again, I don't have a lot of experience in the film world, so I don't want to speak for it, but like you meet so many best friends mm. and then you, you leave and you're like, we're not best friends, man. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, or you, you meet somebody, you, I have so many good acquaintances, but how many like quality friends do I have? You know, and that, that's a problem with, with my business, a lot, a lot of superficiality. Mm. Uh, I if, do you think that might have something to do with the high of the performance? Yeah. You, you bring up a good point. You know, like there, there's a, there's a term that everyone uses, you know, like uh showmance, you know, like when, when, you know, you're playing Danny in Greece and she's playing a uh, Sandy and you, you know, you, and then you fall in love in real life. And I think people like to make fun of that because it happens so often, but those emotions are genuine. You know what I mean? It's, there's nothing fake about it. You know, when, when you're playing best buddies in a movie or on stage and you spend a lot of time together and then you become best buddies in real life, you know, like there's nothing false about that. Those emotions, it's just very intense in a very short amount of time. 
yeah. and you have to be, you have to have a reality check, but it's very, it's very, very common. Yeah. I think it's probably more intense on stage than it is in, in, in film or television because it depends, film or tele- sure. yeah, well, I, but I think the scene in film or television, it only, the experience is only there for a couple minutes and then you get a break and you do another take or whatever. But with the, with theater, it's a couple of hours and there's the lead up and you can't break that really. You're there. And that's like, yeah. well, it's, it's much higher stakes. And you don't have 50 crew members all yes. watching when you're on stage. It's like, it's just you and the audience on stage. So I feel like that's more yeah, intimate. Yeah. Whereas you are yeah. very much aware of the guy holding the boom and everyone on set just watching. And yeah. I think the fact that you do take after take, you reset, you reset, you reset. It, it, remo- it becomes repetitive and it, I think it removes some of that intimacy. Yeah. I think it's even, it's harder than to maintain that level of yeah. attachment, you know, take after take. But I, I agree. I think there is maybe some more buildup in theater. And then again, it's, it's just you alone on stage and the people that are watching are the audience, you know, it's, yeah, who you're doing it for. I think you're absolutely right. I think, you know, I, I've had a lot of instances where I know a lot of people in this business that are desperate, desperate for deep human connection. Like we were talking about earlier. I really think that's a very, very important thing that people need. And sometimes it's right in front of their face and they, they don't see it because they're so con- they're, they're drowning in superficiality. And, and they, they're desperate for deep human connection. So they jump on the superficiality thinking that that will lead mm. to depth and it rarely ever does. And then the people that are actually, that actually have the ability to give them that deep human connection, they usually overlook because it's not flashy. It's not shiny. It's not pretty. It's not sexy, whatever that may be. You know what I mean? That's probably not even our business. That's probably just life in general. You know what I mean? Like, but I think the people that are available to do that are typically people that uh, get overlooked or you, or you get excited about the pretty people or the shiny people. You know, it's, it's, it's hard to not get attracted to people's talent. Absolutely. It's hard to separate people's talent from their actual being, if you will. You know what I mean? Well, there's, there's hype. Hype has, it's like, it even happens in school. It's like, there's a girl that is, known as the hot girl and she just gets yes. that label and all the guys and all the girls for some reason, I mean, obviously she's very beautiful, but there are the beautiful girls, but for some reason, this girl's the hot girl mm-hmm. that, that makes her into a certain thing, whether she feels like that or not. Yes. And she mm-hmm. might either buy into that and, and become that and own that, or she might just be an attractive looking person who's actually a whole lot deeper than that. Yes. But that, that hype in general can really change the way someone behaves and how other people feel about them. It's, so, it's, and, 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 yeah. attraction or, or, you know, what if the, what if the captain of the football team was the best football yeah. player and maybe he's not much of a looker, but his talent increases his uh, potential. And I think people jump on that and there may not be any depth there. There could be mm. absolutely. But yeah, I think, I think I, I find a lot of, a lot of people in our business, myself included, I've been guilty of it. We're not in the right places. Mm. You know, we often overlook those diamonds in the rough, if you will. Yeah. It's tough, man. It's really tough. It's weird. Weirdness. It's hard. I'll say as far as television goes, 
it's hard, especially when you're just on for a day or two on a show. Oh yeah. And it's like, I'm just going to expect that I'm going to make no connections. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like you're the new kid, you know, especially if it's a show that's been on multiple seasons. And, but I think that's smart. I mean, I feel like the danger is like, I'm going to be on set for one day or two days and I'm going to become everyone's best friend. Yeah. I'm going to blow everyone away. I'm going to change the world. And it's like, you got your expectations, right? Totally. You know, like it's okay to just go in there and do your job. Yeah. I don't know. I think that's how I've become. I definitely started off as like, cause I'm such a people pleaser. I for sure go and I still go in. Okay. I want to make everyone like me, you know, and want to knock it out of the park. But I have, I think I, I've, I'm now wearing the goggles that are like, okay, you're here to work. But I also don't want to be fully just like, I'm here to get in and get out. I make connection as much as I can, but that all depends on the set and how welcoming it is. I think. Well, what if you were on set for a day and you were playing the lead character's husband, but you were only there. So you have to conjure this incredibly deep, meaningful relationship that doesn't exist. That you and, and you're meeting the person the day, literally as you're, you're meeting them at rehearsal on set. Yeah. I remember yes. maybe, maybe in the makeup trailer, you'll get to chat with them if you're yeah. lucky, but otherwise it's like, here you go. You've been married for 15 years and you've yeah. all this. Well, uh, the, the, the uh, other thing that's yeah. even more odd about these interactions is quite a lot of the time, some, or maybe most of the people that are in the cast are kind of emotionally desperate. That's why they've become actors because they want recognition. You know, they, they want, they want attention. So it's an, they're kind of kooky people as it is. Mm-hmm. So that yeah. kind of, kind of trying to navigate that dynamic. Yeah. 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 And every set is so different though, too. Cause so it is kind of, you have to sit and observe and see, okay, I think I'm going to approach it this way. <laughs> like, I think I'm going to interact with these people in this way. And then there are sets that are like, okay, I'm definitely here to just get in and get out. And then other sets that are very welcoming. I think it just, yeah, it really depends. But every time you have to kind of read the room. Do you ever think about giving it up? Yeah. yeah. All, all acting? Yeah. Yeah. Last year. Last year. I mean, I think any dry spell. Yeah. yeah. Any time. Like last year was, I had a dry spell of just n- no auditions hardly. And it's, it's, it's hard for any artist to, I think, maintain that drive and not like go in this downward spiral of like, have I made a huge mistake? Uh, and I'm looking at it differently now that I have a family and I'm providing for them. Now I'm like, changes everything. Yeah. I got to just find something that makes sense. Yeah. And I told John this last year, I was looking into like, I want to get into some old trades, like be a cobbler or a, <laughs> or a locksmith. And I, like, I, love I, that I researched, so I researched the hell out of locksmiths and I'm like, that sounds good. Working with my hands doing you know cali custom so, yeah I, I went as far as signing up for school for for this locksmith program she oh. claims it was like several thousand dollars it was not but i will say it was, was she like and she she wasn't having it well i didn't really tell her about it <laughs> <laughs> i just i sat it up on my phone 
when I was, I was away, I was actually on set. It was some photo shoot for something. And I was like, I'm doing it. I don't think things through a lot when I, before I pull the trigger, I'm very much like, let's dive in and then we'll figure it out. I get it. That's where I I was at that place, you know? I really get where your head was at because the, the amount, even if you're getting a lot of auditions, the amount of rejection and, and lack of uh, fulfillment you get is hard. And, and, and when you do something with your hands, you, you, you build a table or you, you know, I I renovated a van and converted a van into like a camper van and, and the feeling of, of satisfaction you get after having a project that is tangibly physically seen through, Oh God, you just, you just, it's, you, it's rare in the acting world unless you're actually working. But even then I, I totally get it, dude. Like locksmithing. I mean, you know, <laughs> you, you think, you think change of everything, your man. like but, everything goes through your head. Like how do I, it's true. Yeah. You know, yeah. Or, or complete direction change. Because you are, you don't get feedback, right? Like 90% of our job description is auditioning and you don't get feedback on that. No. You, the only way you know you didn't get it is when the shoot date approaches and you haven't heard anything. You're not there. Yeah. And you're not there. Yeah. Oh, I guess, guess uh, I didn't get it. No. Yeah. Yeah. So there isn't anything tangible. No. And the other thing is it's so frustrating because you may not have gotten it because not because you weren't the best actor. It's because right. you just weren't the right one. And you maybe like if you're the best locksmith, you're probably going to get the job. Exactly. And or, that's, or if you're alphabetically at the top of the list, so. <laughs> but that, that's a great point. Cause I, and I actually want to change my name to, to Aaron Ardvark. <laughs> Berkey's pretty good. J and B. Yeah. I got I'll, It's Bill Berkey from now on, Bill Berkey. but I, I want to speak to the rejection thing. Cause that's such, that term is, is like the classic term when it comes to acting. And I've stopped viewing it as rejection because I truly don't believe it is because there are so many factors as to why you get a job or not that are out of your control that I don't view it as rejection. It's just like this one just wasn't it. Like you reminded the, the director of her ex-husband or you know, like, yeah. or you look a little too much like the lead, or anything. It's just I think there's so much healthier mindset to bring into it. Yeah, I'm okay with that. I think where I get tripped up is if I know that it's out of my control. Yeah, I don't care. I get it. You're not going to book every job. I think it's when you start second guessing and you think it's in your control. Like yeah. I could have done something different. Absolutely, I could have made a different choice. I could have. You know, if they're looking for brown eyes and I have blue eyes, okay, yeah, I can't, I'm not going to lose sleep over that. Yeah. But if I was unprepared or if I did something and that's, and because you don't get feedback, you don't know. Did I knock yeah. the job because I'm five foot nine or yeah. did I knock the job because I, I was did a shitty audition? Exactly. And you yeah. don't know, you find out. That's nah. frustrating. Yeah. It's so easy to beat yourself up and go, man, if I, if I'd done something different in the audition, if I'd got that bit right, I would have got it for sure. But you, you never, you never know. Yeah. So all you know is if you walk away from it, knowing like, yeah, that's what I wanted to do. Yeah. And then now it's up to anything else. And I think this is the only, the only feedback you get is if 
casting directors keep inviting you to audition. You know, yeah. I think that's the only feedback we can go off of is like, okay, you're still inviting me. I get it that you're just trying to put this puzzle together and my piece didn't fit right now, but you're going to save it for later and maybe it'll fit later. They're just trying to put together a puzzle. And I think, yes, I think once my, I shifted my, my mindset to that, to realizing there's so much out of my control, I'm just going to focus on my own work and let that speak for itself. You like it or you don't. And that releases the pressure valve. <laughs> I think. On, on that point, you were bringing up John boy about, about thinking about giving it up sometimes. I, yeah, I want to hear. I, what you think. Yeah. I've had, um, I've definitely thought of that. And I'm at a point now where I'm actually, I've been doing writing. I've been writing scripts to try and create my own work and, and things that I care about because I got to this point where I did a movie uh, after I can only imagine. And I was really pumped about it. It was a great opportunity for me. And okay. I, I was lucky to get that role. Mm-hmm. And majority of the rest of the cast didn't want to be there ah, it's so on set. Yeah. That was, it was, they Ugh. were just planning all the time. And it was just like, they were just nah, kind of, you know, not really that interested in, I was like, man, we're making a movie here. This is a right. pretty big. This is magic. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, and, and I realized, wow, this is what I thought. Granted, I wasn't the lead role, so it wasn't all about, about me, but I was, I remember I made a decision. I was like, wow, I either have to quit doing this altogether or find scenarios or create scenarios where everyone's on the same page, because this is not, this yeah, is not it. Not fun. No, it's like, this is a, yeah. this is, I can't, I was just really blown away with how ungrateful people were. Mm-hmm. Tough. Yeah. So I, so now I've, I've started, I, I went, okay, I've got to start writing and start, and I'm putting my energy into trying to create I things. That writing is one of the most fulfilling things an artist can do. Mm. It really is. For, yeah. For me. So I think it's, I think it's great, man. Yeah. Well, and now, now being out of LA and you're back home, like what's, what was the, the draw for that? Was it, I mean, it was a desire to kind of get out of that setting. Yes. To be honest, it was, it was, uh, I thought that the last, the most recent year that I was in LA would be where I have the, would have the most momentum acting wise, but it turns out that it just like you, it just got even less. Like I was getting so few opportunities and there's a lot of reasons why one of them is it's not a good time to be an unknown bald white dude in Hollywood. Um, it's just the way it is, you know, like, like a lot of the roles that I would have normally gone out for are going to other ethnicities, which I think is great for the world. Yes. It's not great for me. Right. Right. <laughs> but, yeah. no, yeah. It is, it is, you know, and it's, uh, and it, it's an important thing that needs to happen, but it just means I go unemployed for a while. So that was being in LA where there's not really any opportunities that are happening or not really very many. I don't like LA. LA's LA's really it was a, it's a really desperate place sometimes, and it's um, we were just kind of worn down by it. And we came back to Sydney and spent some time on the northern beaches where we are now, and and we're like, wow, this is a beautiful place to live. And then back to North Hollywood, we're like this is not a beautiful place to live. When I walk the dog out the front, and there's a crackhead sleeping on a car out the front of my place, and there's people like leaving items of clothing out the front of our building, which means they're marking it to be robbed. And I was like, yeah, I don't want to do this. This is, I don't want, my wife's afraid 
I'm yeah. afraid. Yeah. Like, I don't, this isn't, this isn't a good life for us. Yeah. Uh, and it's all good and well when there's, there's all these opportunities coming your way, but when they're not, and I wasn't, I wasn't happy in my life. So I wasn't motivated to kind of make the opportunities come my way as much. Yeah. I was just like, man, we gotta, we gotta get out of here. What happens if I get hit by a bus tomorrow and I'm spending all my time sitting on my ass in miserable LA? Yeah. I think it comes down to mental health. I think, yeah, I think it's a good thing. I think it's good that it's 2019 and that we're focusing so much more on mental health. I think, I think it used to be all these subdivisions and we used to make excuses and call it different things. And I think more and more, it's all circling back to mental health. You know, I think people are making decisions based on mental health. And I think it's a good thing. I think that's like the wisest thing you can do for yourself or your family. You know, I think it all comes back to like, this is, this is tearing me up from the inside out. Yeah. And I, I, you know, life is short, man. You have to yeah. make decisions that put you in a, in a healthy mental state because poor mental health will lead to everything else that you don't want in your life. Well, in yeah. LA, you see it all the time and, yeah. and on very different, different scales. Like there's on the, on the, the minor scale, you see people who are just like me, who were just kind of like a little bit downtrodden. And I have friends who were actors and had even like far less jobs and experiences than I'd had and are just kind of sticking it out, but slowly but surely getting worn down. And, and then on the opposite end of the spectrum is people who are either have severe mental health issues, drug addiction issues, or both. And they're homeless on the street. And how, and why are they all there? Why are they all there in California like that? It's a very interesting scenario that they're in. Um, and it's it's like, I I often wonder how many of these people came here with a dream and then got chewed up and spat out. And now they're living on the streets trying to get some. We're the opposite, you know, people who have had incredible amounts of success and they've never been less mentally healthy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's exactly, that's another one. Yeah. There's a lot of people that are living the dream. They've got all the cash and, and you hear about these people that are think, you know, you know, ticking all the boxes and they take their own life or they're, they're in rehab. Well, it's, it's so frustrating because I think we all grew up watching movies, reading books, seeing TV shows that you've heard your entire life that money doesn't buy happiness and success or fame doesn't buy happiness. And you're kind of like bullshit. You know what I mean? What, what does Daniel Tosh say? Like, I've never seen anybody frown on a jet ski. You know, like, <laughs> of course, money buys happiness. And it doesn't. I think, I think it can remove some obstacles. You know, I think Gwyneth Paltrow has said some really, really stupid shit over time. But I saw an interview recently with her where she said that all fame and success did for her was remove obstacles from her life. Yeah. And the more obstacles that are removed from your life... I think we were meant to face obstacles. Mm-hmm. The less you grow, the less you learn, the less you, mm-hmm. and you know, she had a really, really tough conversation with her father and her father basically called her out. and was like, you kind of, you kind of become an asshole. You know, you have all these obstacles removed from your life and, and you get lazy or you stop learning. You know what I mean? So yeah, I think, it, I think it just yeah. comes back to that mental health thing. Like I know, I'm sure there are people that are incredibly wealthy and successful and they've managed to find a way to stay mentally healthy or in the best mental shape they can. And I know people that are destitute, but have a better outlook on life than most people because they've found a way to, to figure it out. You know what I mean? 
but your your surroundings influence your art, whatever it is, or whatever you're pursuing. Like I, I think, yeah, I think it is important to have your own a gauge of where you are and like, I gotta, I gotta get out of this, you know? And yeah. like even Callie and, and I are talking like, I think we want to get out of the city. Like, I think we, we want to move out and yeah, just well, like, I was going to ask you, and you're, you're in Atlanta, right? Yeah. How, how do you find the acting and, and, you know, that kind of world in Atlanta compared to, I mean, you, have you lived in Los Angeles? I have, I went to, uh, this tiny film school there and didn't try at all. I actually only put forth effort in like a extracurricular acting class. (laughs) I was at the time pursuing, like I wanted to be behind the camera, but I didn't know in what capacity. Um, I have a lot of friends up courses. They didn't have locksmiths out there. A lot of them. So I was like, man, uh, not for me. I love it so much. I love everything. Locksmithing. The story about you because because it's hilarious, but it's also like really smart. But you know what? I I thought in that dry spell too. Yes, I would be I would be super bummed out if I didn't act in some capacity for the rest of my life. But also, and I guess now that I have a family and different priorities, I've I've gotten to a point where I'm now holding it loosely in my hand, whereas before it's like. I need, this is everything. And now I'm like, you know what? I would be okay if I let it go, if I had to, not that I'm choosing to, but yeah, I think, yes, while it was a stressful time and you know, you do start to go down that downward spiral. I think I was encouraged in a weird way because if that had happened to me, I don't know, like three to five years ago, I think I would be in a worse spot because I acting was my life. You know, it's like, I didn't have anything that I didn't have a good balance before. Sure. Sure. Of things outside of this business that fulfill me. Anyway, Atlanta is, I think a great fit for me. I think there's a lot of opportunity here. It's an environment that I really enjoy. There's a lot of work there, isn't it? There's a lot and of there's a, yeah. I'm really hoping the bubble doesn't burst. I I feel like so much has been invested here that it's like well, I, mean, I think it's everything. It's like when the when the earthquake hits on the San Andreas fault line exactly. and California is underwater, is gone. Everyone, everyone will come to Atlanta. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If they survive, if they survive, the survivors will go to Atlanta. <laughs> yeah. That's a show right yeah. there. Yeah. So I, I have found, a, I think a healthy way of living for myself, like mental health, physical health, everything. Like I, to me, Atlanta is a great fit to be able to actually work and not be in a, as what I think a chaotic environment like LA or New York, because I just, I'm easily affected by that. You know, like I'm, I'm normally a, a chipper guy, like outgoing, very hopeful, but I on the opposite end can easily despair. I can mm-hmm. go to despair real fast if yeah. I'm surrounded by despair. And so, yeah, I just, I don't know. I don't think I, I would I think, be in I a good place. I think your self-evaluation is on point. You know, like I think, I don't know if you can tell Mark, but, but he's absolutely glowing. <laughs> I got to spend yesterday with him and Callie and, and Simon. 
and they're such a beautiful little family and they all love each other and and you seem happy uh, you seem healthy you yeah. seem I, I mean i love it i think that's I the that. most thing yeah thanks man it's my yeah. shade when i look at you from all the glow <laughs> <laughs> i've got a sunburn yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's man yeah callie and simon came into my life at the right time right before i met you guys because i wouldn't even say i was at a in a healthy spot when i met you guys i was gonna and say you sure it wasn't us it was some side. It wasn't my wife or It wasn't side. the pop tarts. It was you and the whiskey and the hot tub. Yeah. It was the terrible diet <laughs> in Oklahoma with you guys. That was it. Oh, yeah. Gosh. Oh, that's um, of the time because remember the the lake out the front that was frozen. Yeah. Oh no! <laughs> you, we were in the jacuzzi, and then you jumped in the lake. The jacuzzi. Wait, who I, jumped in? John did. You did. Yeah, there's a video somewhere. So, uh, we, we would take beers and whiskeys to the hot tub, even though we weren't supposed to. But like, that's true. Have you ever done any? Have you done that before, like cold immersion stuff before? Because I've been doing it recently. Yes, I have. Like jumping back and forth, like cold, doing cold that. plunge. Yeah, I, yeah there, just there, was a, there was a there was a, a, a sweat lodge. I think I think they don't call it a spa because I think. They think a, a spa sounds too feminine, so they call it a sweat lodge. Mm. But there was a men's sweat lodge in Chicago that had uh, a dry sauna, a wet sauna, and they also had a cold plunge. And so okay. you would, you know, you would go get, you would go get really, really, really hot, yeah. and you would cold plunge, and it was like nothing, nothing you've ever felt before. You know, it was incredible. Yeah. You've you've been doing it, Jersey. You've been well, jumping in the. Yeah, so I did some homework on on this guy Wim Hof. Have you heard of him? Uh, he's known as the Ice Man, and he's got all these world records for being able to um, spend time under ice and submerged in cold water. And and he he's able to like regulate his immune system through his mindset and his breath. Um, <laughs> yes. It's fascinating, and and everybody think and he, people think that he's a freak, but he actually teaches other people how to do it. And it's purely through breathing, but yeah. basically it's, it's a combination of, of, of breath work. So you over oxygenate your, your blood. And then when you submerge yourself in cold, once you've got this over oxygenated blood, that healthy blood rushes to your organs because you're cold. And then your, and your body does that as a survival mechanism. And then it kind of cleans out your organs and, and you feel incredible from all this oxygenated blood. Wow. And then, you know, you, you, you do the slow down your breathing and it's kind of um, balancing your fight or flight response from the shock of the cold. Yeah. So, cause you know, you, you, you want to yeah. do that too cold. So if you can, we've talked about this, have we not? We might've, I feel like we've discussed this. Yeah. So you can, like, you can, on, you can kind of trick your body by breathing that way. If, yes. If you come, if you, if you, just, and you do it in a cold shower first. That's how you start. And you just, instead of stressing out and thinking, oh, I can't do this, you're fine. It's not going to hurt you. It's just uncomfortable. So, so if you, it, it's kind of like a mindset challenge at first. But you have to but combine you, the two. It's a combination of the whole mind over matter plus the actual physical change, you know? Exactly. Yeah. So That's it's, I started doing it because, um, I, so it's just, we've just come into spring here, but it's, you know, we've just come through winter. It doesn't get that cold here, but the ocean, I live by the ocean and the ocean pool is always colder than the ocean. 
So I've been doing these cold plunges in the ocean pool, which it, there was one day where it got down to, I think about 11 or 12 degrees Celsius. So I don't know what that is in Fahrenheit, but no, I know forties in the forties or so. Yeah. The water, because zero yeah. would be thirty-two degrees. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. 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 So yeah, forties. Is, I mean, that's not. That's not. So, and so I was doing that every day, and it was usually about fifteen degrees, a little bit warmer than that, but but cold. You know, uncomfortably cold. Yes. And man, it's a fascinating feeling. Like like I and I was and I remember thinking about about you, John Boy, how you did it that time, and I'd never done it before, and I was like, you're a fucking crazy person. I don't know how you did it, but now since I've been doing it. Man, it's a rush. It's a high. It's incredible. Yeah, you get like endorphins well, going. Yeah. You're like, yeah. you also have to feel like live. What, what I did was just, you know, with my inhibitions lowered, drinking with my friends, like I just jumped in and jumped out. So that's the trick. Well, there, I think there's a difference between jumping in and jumping out and like sitting in it. Yeah, when you try and spend about three minutes in it, 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 waving your finger over a lighter Mm -hmm. and like Mm -hmm. holding your hand over it, you know what I mean? (laughs) There's a difference there, you know? Yeah. Um, But yeah, man, it's, it's, uh, I remember that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I I was really impressed by that. Honestly, there was, there was a part of me that was a little upset because I felt, and this is not a slight on anybody that we worked with or anybody in charge but I definitely felt a little babied and a little pampered, right. which they kind of have to do, you know, like they, they don't let me do stunts. They don't let me do this. They don't let me do that. And I knew they wouldn't be happy with it. So it was almost kind of like a rebellious moment. Mm. The actors, they don't let you do anything. Yeah. That was Olivia Wilde was talking about that. I think with, um, Sam Jones on off camera. He's got a great podcast where he, he interviews different artists. And she was talking about like, why are actors treated like, um, circus animals? I think she said, like you stay in your trailer, you're in your cage, you have to stay there and then, okay, come out, do your trick. Okay. All right. Now go back. Now go back. <laughs> and it's so true. Like I, you know, so even if you like walking, like, Going, walking to the bathroom. Where are you going? Yeah. The bath. Come right back. Okay. All right. And stay in that trailer. Okay. (laughs) You know, like, I don't know. It's a weird, weird kind of circus animal dynamic to it. No, I think it's like being, I noticed this too, obviously being in middle America, I was a novelty because I'm Australian, but just being Australian in America in general, we get away with so much. Like, I, I don't know if it's the accent or what, yeah. but I would just kind of like it's the accent. Yeah, yeah maybe a lot. But like I would just and granted, you know, it's not like I was ever a hot property and they had to really worry about me getting injured that much. But there would just be things where I'd just be like, nah, I'm going outside. Yeah. And, yeah. And kind of, yeah. Oh. Well, he's got an accent. Let's let him do it. Yeah. 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 So I'm just gonna go get some I'm going to get some lunch. Where, where are you going? Where are you going? I'm going to, I'm going over there. I'm going to go. Well, and, you, de- you definitely treat people how to treat you. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's something that yes. I've really come into recently. You know what I mean? Without, without like getting into it too much. Like, yeah, it, it's, it's hard to learn that you treat people how to treat you. you, know yeah, I mean? you Within reason, of course. Dynamic. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I think, but it, ta- it takes time and it takes experience before you can feel confident to not just sure. saying no, but kind of like, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's right. 
or like it's it's cool. I was know? getting lonely too. Yes. Was what yeah, was, it was freezing in the trailers yeah. in Oklahoma, so I wasn't gonna sit there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, John Boy, I wanted to talk about Book of Mormon. You did a okay. lot of performances. Yes. Yeah. How many? Do you know? Well, we do eight shows a week, and you get basically two weeks of vacation. So that's fifty weeks. That's uh, four hundred shows a year. That is mind blowing to me. Yeah, three that's hour insane. shows. Yeah. So are you are you done or are you still going? I'm done. No, nope. uh, back to the mental health thing. You know, made a decision with my wife and my family and and my mentors and my people that I that I reach out to and ultimately decided that staying in London was not uh, going to be beneficial for me. I did a year, and you know, and 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 they were very kind. They they asked me to stay another year, and uh, you know, my wife and I had just gotten married. And we spent the first year of our marriage in two separate continents. Mm. You know? And so it would have been another year of that. Um, the show is, is really, really fulfilling and really, really fun in so many ways. But man, 400 shows a year will crush you. Crush you. Yeah. And, and honestly, you know, like I, I thought, will I be okay in two months? Yeah. In six months, maybe. In 12 months, I, I don't think so. Yeah, I don't wow. think so. So, you know, you, you kind of have to make those decisions, but I think once again, going back to the mental health thing, I think it's very hard to do that by yourself with no mirror, with nothing to bounce things off of, which is why I think you really have to surround yourself with, with good people. You know, your spouse probably first and foremost should be somebody that is always pushing you to be a better person or always encouraging you or makes you want to be a better person. You know, if your spouse is the type of person that's not helping you make smart choices or mentally healthy choices, it's going to be a long road. And I think, you know, I have great mentors. I have great friends. I don't make a lot of big decisions in my life without talking to parents, mentors, friends, my wife. So I, I, I'm lucky to have a pretty good group around me. And so after talking it over with everyone, it's like, it was kind of an easy decision, you know? And so, did you do two years, one year? I did one year in New York and then one year in London. Yeah, right. Wow. Yeah. And that was right after we wrapped Imagine. Straight away. Straight on the plane to New York and started yeah. doing it in New York. That's um, but it, But it's one of those things, man. It's like you know, your whole life you want to be a baseball player, you want to be in the major leagues, and you get to the major leagues, you can't complain that there's too yeah. many teams in a season. Yeah. This is, yeah. this is what I've wanted. This is what I went to college for. This is what I'm drowning in debt for. You know, this is what I yeah. dream doing. Um, but just like a lot of things, you know, once, once you finally get to that point, it's, it's never what you thought it would be mm. in good and bad ways. In some ways it was more incredible than I thought it would be. And in some ways it was like, you know, man, this is not, it's like when a magician tells you how he does his trick or she does her yeah. trick. Like, so yeah, man, yeah. London was great. I, uh, I never got to travel much as a kid, you know, I never got to travel. And, and so getting to, getting to kind of gain some culture in my life and, yeah. and be around people that aren't like me, that don't sound like me or look like me or act like me is really, is really good for you. I think, you know, it can be really strange at times, but I was the only American in the cast. So it was, Oh, wow. It's me and a bunch of Brits or, or, you know, Europeans or a mix of all kinds of people. I had a blast. Man. It was great. 
I'm glad that I left on good terms. I left mm-hmm. in, in a positive place instead of limping to the finish line, which Very I think would have happened if I did another year, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That was wise to be able to see where it was probably going to head for you emotionally and be able to go, all right, cool. On to, on to, on to greener pastures and, and. But I also, I also told Berkey yesterday, it, 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 there's also, you know, I know this word's getting thrown around a lot and I don't always like it, but this particular case, it rings true. Like I had, I had the privilege to say no. You know what I mean? Uh, there was a time when I would not have been in a situation where I could have turned it down. I have accepted many, many jobs acting and not acting related that I had no choice but to accept. Sure. So I, I was in a privileged position to be able to turn work down in order to be in a better mental state or to avoid poor mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not, it's not, it's not always easy. And I know a lot of people are not in a situation like that and I won't always be in that situation, but I'm glad I had the opportunity to have an option. You know? Did you get, cause so, so I can only imagine did really well. Sure yeah, did. Did well. Sure did. hundred million dollars. Yeah. Yep. I'm, I'm sure it's made over a hundred by now yeah. with, with uh, other types of sales. And I believe the budget it made, was like seven. <laughs> yeah. It made uh, just under 85 million. It was 83 yeah. or 84 million. It was projected to yeah. make two to two and a half opening weekend. We made 17, 17 opening weekend. Wow. And then it just kept going. And if you don't count the Narnia movies, then imagine it's like the third highest grossing Christian movie. Really? I'm passion of the Christ and another movie that I never remember the name of. And I feel bad about, but it did well, man. We, yeah. you know, like I, I, I knew we had a special project, but you never know that people are going to turn out. Yeah. But, but I think this thing has been brewing for 20 years, you know, mercy me who we really owe all the credit to. They've, they've been touring and they've been, they've been setting up this reaction since the late nineties. Yeah. You know, that song had a following. And I think that was, band had a following, song had a following, you know, yeah. that was the hope. I think that the, the movie yeah. would have the same yeah. acceptance that the song did and not just in Christian communities, but you know, just like it had crossover yeah. Yeah. when it boils down to, it, it's just a, it's a redemptive story. It's the power of forgiveness and that, that it, it feels good everybody. you know it like, feels good to watch the film you know yeah. you you leave it feeling good about your life that's a nice experience to have you know i can see yeah. why people tell their mates to go and watch it right yeah yeah, yeah. i think uh, i think everybody involved in that project did a pretty outstanding job mm. and i think it, i think the numbers show you know yeah i don't i don't think it was just one thing i think the editing the cinematography the writing the you know yeah. I think all of it. All came yeah, that's not a, that's not an accident. Like you can't yeah. get that many people yeah. seeing it without them genuinely falling in love with the thing. Yeah, so that's. Yeah. Did you get to be famous from that, John? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, he was. You know what? I I was I I managed to avoid it. Um, right. You've been you were right that a few times because yeah. I was in London. Yeah, yeah. All oh, right. It, yeah. It happened to me. Yeah. It happened yesterday. You know, when I was at London. Oh, yeah. Um. It doesn't happen much in New York, you know, because uh, the obvious reason would be like New York is a very liberal city and that's not the type of audience that would typically watch the movie that we made. Um, It's also a busy city and there's a lot of people in that city. So people are used to it. Yeah. The movie came out while I was in London. 
I think if I were in the States, I think I would have experienced a little bit more of that type of intensity. You know, if I were to walk into a Walmart in the South, you know, I probably would have been bombarded. If I were to walk in, into those, you know, heavily concentrated uh, Christian areas or, or conservative areas, you know, yeah, I think it would have been a different situation. But it never happened because I was I was in London for the whole time. And I think by the time I got back from London, the that had kind of died down. And I, I honestly think that was good. Um, I think knowing myself as well as I try to know myself, I think I, I don't, I don't think I would have enjoyed it. Um, Mm -hmm. but so ultimately the answer is, I don't know. I don't know, but that movie reached a lot of people. So I, you know, I would say not once a week, but once a month, even in New York, you know, it'll get brought up or, or, or somebody will recognize it. It just, they just, people just Just sing at you in the street. Yeah. 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 Sometimes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But no one remembers the name. And no one remembers, and, and people are so awkward, you know what I mean? Like, they don't know how to approach it. And I've been in that position, you know what I mean? Like, the number of, like, people I've run into that I'm like, ah, oh, I don't want to. So it's, it's always, like, so hilariously awkward. And you learn how to make jokes, and you learn how to, like, diffuse the awkwardness because you're an actor. Like, yeah. that's what you do for a living. And yeah. normal people are not. And they don't know how to not be incredibly painfully <laughs> homicidally awkward. <laughs> so you you break the ice, you know, like to a point where you take just the lead, walk up to you, stare yeah. at you, yeah, yeah, and you're like, "Hi, yes, yes," you know, and it's like I don't. It's it's hilarious to to the one experience I had was my my father got remarried, and. and they wanted to go on a cruise for their honeymoon, which I thought was a great idea. My wife and I were going on a cruise with Mercy Me because Mercy Me does a cruise like every other year called Mercy Me at Sea. And they go to the Caribbean and they're the headline group. It's, it's amazing. It's amazing. They're the headline group. Well, so it's, it's, it's 2000 Mercy Me fans. Wow. Traveling to Puerto Rico and the Dominican Republic and, and all these places. And so we were invited to join them because the movie had, had come out that year or the previous year. And so I told my dad and my stepmother, I said, Hey, you know, like honeymoon on this cruise, you know, cause I had not, I'd actually not met my stepmother cause I was in London. So the first time I met my stepmother was, was on this cruise. Okay. That was that was intense. That was 2000 mercy me. And I can only imagine fans yeah. stuck on a boat. There and is no escape for you. We couldn't, you know, like we'd be at breakfast in like the, you know, the mess hall, the dining hall. And I'd be like, okay, I'm going to go get us a refill on water, or orange juice. And like, I'd be back in 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like you couldn't. So yeah. that was really nice. Uh, it was really weird and really cool and really nice. But that's that's really all I experienced because I was I was gone and and you're glad you think it like I, I think so because I think it would have been overwhelming otherwise. You know what? It's like it's like riding a Segway. <laughs> the Never first time it happens, it's like what a cool bucket list thing to check off. You know what I mean? Like somebody recognized you from a movie that you did mm-hmm. that they saw the be like what a cool feeling. Yeah. That's about it. <laughs> and then you're like, it's a you know, segue. And, and, I, and I, I don't, you know, it's not that, like I'm trying to discourage people. It's just like, 
there's only so many times that can happen. You know, well, I, honestly, I think about mercy me. I think about Bart and the guys, you know, they've been on tour for 20 years and can you, I can only imagine how many yeah, I times, can only imagine how many times somebody, you know, <laughs> uh, I, I went on tour with them for a weekend. They let me come hang out for a weekend. And the number of people that just come up to them bawling and crying and wanting to share their stories, which is a beautiful thing. What, what, what an incredibly beautiful mm-hmm. thing yeah. that human beings want to do. You know, like I, I have felt what you felt, or maybe you have felt what I felt. And I want to have this moment together. Like there's nothing more beautiful than that. Trying to share similarities. You know what I mean? That's, that's really what, what the arts is. You know, when you see a movie and you're like, I have felt that before. I know that feeling and that's why I'm connected to this movie. Um, but you know, like you'd have people come up and be like, Hey, my dad died literally three hours ago. And I thought the best thing I could do to honor his memory would be to come to this concert. Mm. And you're like, what do you say to that? Mm. What do you do? And then they want a picture and they want to have a conversation. And that's one of 500 people that are standing in line waiting to have a similar conversation. They've been doing that for 20 years. And those boys, uh, that's like, like, they've been called to, that's their, that's their form of service. You know, you can see it, those boys, that they, yeah, they really, it's not about them. And and they're not ungrateful and and it's not, and I don't mean this in a negative way, but it's absolutely draining to do that, to have that, to have that, you know, like, you know, if you've ever done like a really, really emotional scene. It's draining, you know, like you're really, really tired because you're acting and you're portraying a character, but the tears aren't fake. The tears are real. The tears are from somewhere, you know, unless someone's dropping drops in your eyes, but like, like if you're, the the emotions are real, they're directed in a different way. But guys, you know, like I, I can't complain at all because I have only experienced a tiny, tiny fraction of what these guys and many other people experience probably, probably had places. a lot of intense conversations. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I, I don't want to sound always, ungrateful. It's just, it's, yeah. it's definitely weird though, man. It's weird. Yeah. Have you guys gotten recognized for the movie? Like have you had those experiences in this film or other films or I don't know if you've seen the movie, mate, but uh, I'm not really in it. <laughs> You're charming as hell. Okay. Mark got recognized during his polar bear plunge. Randy gets all the credit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That jerk. Oh. Just says funny things. Like, yeah, because yeah. you guys are great. You guys are so good in the movie. But Randy just, uh, I love. I, I still really keep in touch with Randy. He's a great guy. Yeah, great, great guy. Yeah, he's good. Super, he's so dry too. So like, drier so than the Sahara. Yeah, he like he he didn't he buy an an airplane set? That's what I heard. Like a <laughs> like an actual like he, movie he, set. He bought half yeah. of an airplane. He bought basically like two or three seats with a with the window unit that you could film from a certain angle, and it looks like you're on an airplane. And it's literally like in his garage. I think I love it. His wife, who's so sweet, so fun. So incredible, but his wife has got to be like, "What the hell?" Randy? I couldn't get away with that. Yeah, it's so fun. That'd be fun. Just but, uh, put that thing in yeah. the living room. Wow, that's fun. Well, that now we got to film something. We got to all get together and shoot band. something on an airplane. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. Look, should we should we wrap it up, dude? Yeah, yeah, Let's yeah. Do it. We we've gone way past time. We're just talking about stupid shit. Now. <laughs> <laughs> 
hey, it's been a, it's been a real treat to catch up with you, fellas. Again, uh, we love yeah, you. man, we love yeah. you. This love is you a, good, a good excuse to to chat. There's yeah. there's absolutely zero pressure on our end to actually turn this into. A oh yeah, absolutely. We just want to talk. Well, see, the good thing is I can I because the power's in my hands. I can edit you to say whatever kind of bigoted oh, things. Shoot. So precisely <laughs> because everything's going to be so out of context. I can't wait. <laughs> yeah. yeah, man. Yeah. Good to talk to you always. Likewise, fellas. All right. Well, all right, buddy. See I'm you. Stop, group I'm text. stop recording and then we can talk <laughs> off, off camera. Okay. Sure. So that, you know, and say what we really think. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> this was all garbage. Yeah. Hey, see, told you they were good dudes. All right, well, just a little wrap-up. Good little insight into the audition process. It's kind of the same situation for everyone, really. And that by that I mean that there is no same situation. You kind of go in and do a role or do an audition or send in a tape or it's, you know, it's all over the place. And then it just comes together. And it's really so much of it is out of your control as an actor. Um, all three of us had very different experiences. You know, I, I auditioned for a different role and... John sent in a tape and so did, so did Jason and, and then, you know, Jason heard about it last minute, like, you got the role, let's go, come on. It's, uh, whereas I, you know, I was kind of sitting, waiting for weeks, so it's, it's all over the shop. Uh, if you've seen the movie, you'll find it very hard to believe this is John's first movie role, let alone the lead role. He crushed it. He's super, super good. Um, he's, he's a fantastic actor. Obviously, he's done a lot of theatre, so he knows how to act, but it's a, it's a different thing in front of the camera and he, he really did a great job. Good on you, John boy. I'm glad that I'm not the only one who has the post-show blues. We can all suffer together after the <laughs> summer camp, as Burke was calling it, is over. It's a tough thing, but it's, it's, it's the nature of the beast. It was interesting how much we talked about mental health, and it's interesting how much that is coming up in all of these podcasts. It's called Deep and Meaningfuls and I want to have real authentic conversations and it's fascinating just how many times people I talk to, the conversation goes to mental health. It seems that the state of the mental health of the world is in a dark place. There's, I don't know if it's always been like that. I haven't been alive throughout all of time so I can't really judge but it seems like it seems like we're in a bit of trouble. We've got to turn things around. And I hope that at least talking about it is is the start so we don't feel so alone, you know. We talked a lot about deep human connection and, and how inherent of a need that that is. And at least being able to connect and not feel alone in your feelings is a, is a small step. So the movie did really well, did fantastically well, which is really exciting. Mercy Me, the band, have been around for a long time. They're still going, still playing tons of shows. I got to meet them only once, but, man, really lovely guys. Really lovely guys, and they know what they're doing. they got a bunch of devout fans, and they deserve them because they, they make some beautiful, beautiful music. All right, that's it for me. I'll see you on the next one. Make sure you share the podcast if you dig it trying to reach more people so if, if you like it and there's a friend or family member you think might like this conversation or a fan of the band or a fan of the movie please share it around i'd really appreciate it all right see you later